0: Everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Happy Easter. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Easter Sunday at New Creation Church. Amen. What a great day to be alive. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us online. Welcome to Easter Sunday at New Creation Church. It's Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Life. Amen. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Once again, welcome. I love Easter. Uh, What a great day for us to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, really just get together with other people. Uh, I believe that God has something great for us today, not something so new and different, but something uh, that I believe the Spirit of God will begin to minister to every heart in life. And I just encourage you right now, just uh, really open up your hearts and have an expectancy. If there's been something going on in your life, if there's physical ailments in your body, if there's been confusion in your mind, whatever it is right now, just really set it aside as we've worshiped God and just set it aside and open up your hearts. I believe that by the end of this service with your expectancy arising as we take communion together, as things take place, uh, that you begin to receive from that communion the life that God has intended. That if you need healing in your body, supernaturally through faith, healing is going to take place in your body as we come to the close of this service in communion. If you have confusion in your mind, those things will be broken over your mind. Uh, If you have uh, things that you're dealing with in your body, whatever it is that you're dealing with, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that there will be an opening up of your heart to see what Jesus has done for you in his death, burial, and resurrection that you might walk in a newness of life. And so it is just an awesome time. We welcome you. uh, If you're visiting with us today. Uh, we hope you have a great Easter Sunday. If, if you're here, we hope it equips you to go out and be so productive in what Jesus has done for you in everyday life. But if you don't know Jesus and you're here because somebody drug you here because it's Easter Sunday that the whole import of Easter falls just into your heart and that you realize that Jesus is exactly who the Bible says He is, that He died for your sin, He raised from the dead for your justification, for your forgiveness, so that you can walk with God every single day. No longer a partition between you and Him through sin, just an open access to His presence and His partnership really with you, a oneness with you, a, a covenant with you that you can walk in every single day, that you can count on that covenant. Amen? Amen. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to throw you a curveball, but just go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I just want to read this story. You know, at Christmas, we always read the Christmas story. And so there's, there's a, a little part of the story about Easter, and I'll try not to get too distracted because, you know, as we read from John, it has its, its humorous parts to it. Uh, uh, you know, God is so gracious. The Holy Spirit is so gracious. And, and John was kind of a character. I can't can't wait to meet John. Uh, uh, he, he really had a grasp of the love of God, but as you'll see right here, he writes a little bit differently about himself than anyone else. And so uh, verse 1, uh, uh, this is just Easter Sunday. It says, Now the first day of the week Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> Don't you just love that? He's like, I came to Peter, and I'm the one writing this. The one Jesus loved. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, which would be the one that Jesus loved, we're going to the tomb. So they both together, and the other, uh, uh, they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> and he came to the tomb first. <laughs> Come on. You know, if, we, if I wrote that, everybody would go, who are you? But the Holy Spirit let John just write that just said, just go ahead. But you know, there was something going on there. And you know, it just tells us a little bit, you know, it's really not my message, but it tells us a little about about the normalcy of these disciples. They were just people. And you know, as they walked with Jesus, they always had a a little bit of controversy of which one was going to be Jesus' favorite. I know we never have that kind of controversy here, uh, you know, in our life. We certainly know. But they, they were just looking at that, you know, and you, you see right here in this scripture how it goes. But even later on, you know, Jesus appeared to them and he sat down with Peter and, and really, you know, if you know, the, here later in John chapter 20, he sits down, he appears and, and he says, uh, you know, Peter, do you love me? And he goes through all this stuff. And at the end where he's saying, you go feed my sheep, Peter stops and he he points to John and he says, well, you're telling me all this stuff. What about him? And I know we've never gotten to that point when God's talking to us that we say, well, what about them? What about everybody else? You're talking to me. But it's such an intimate personal relationship that we have that I believe sometimes the Holy Spirit will just let us embellish a little bit how much. God loves me. How much God loves me. I know he loves you. But I'm really the one he loves. Come on. I know he loves you. But uh, I got there first. (laughs) I was born again first. Amen. Praise the Lord. But then listen to this. He said, and he's stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. He wanted to be there first, but when he saw the magnitude, he stepped back a little bit. But then Simon Peter came following him and went right on in, just as Peter would do. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together together, in a place by itself. Now listen, they came in and they thought somebody had taken the body of Jesus away. But when Peter came in and he saw that linen cloth exactly where it was, he knew nobody moved him. Jesus came out. Right? He came out. That linen cloth was right where it was supposed to be. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, I didn't go all the way in, but I did come to the tomb first. Went in also, and he saw and believed. Come on, there's things going on here, but he saw and believed. And as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went their way and again to their home. And so we see here just this dynamic of of Easter Sunday morning where there was a lot going on, and Mary Magdalene went to take care of the body of Jesus, and all of a sudden, through all that had taken place, through the passion of the cross, Jesus had raised from the dead. There's many things that took place from that point, but that morning that He raised from the dead, all that had been accomplished on the cross, everything that was taking place, everything that we've been talking about in our series about the blood of Jesus, every drop of blood that was shed to pay for your redemption, your healing, your soundness of mind, every drop of blood that had been shed from his body, the death that he died, if he was still in the tomb, would have just been a good man hanging on the cross for a sin he didn't commit. But the uniqueness and the power of the resurrection for you and I The distinction for us is all that price was paid. The death that he died was one time for everybody. But if that's all there is to it, if we just come to the cross, if we just come to the death, all of our sin lies there, just just sitting there in that death. But because he raised from the dead, something took place. Everything that was paid for was put away. And now a newness of life comes forth. And sometimes we forget that. We think, I'm just forgiven. The blood was paid. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the cross. But the resurrection is the thing that starts a brand new, life, a life without sin, a life without a fear of death and separation from God, a life without fear of what sickness and disease will do, mental torment, because he bore it all. And when we stop there, we're like, yeah, but all this, but when we begin to have a revelation of the resurrection, now we begin to see in a whole new light what Jesus has done for us. So on Easter Sunday, this is such an important part of who we are. We're going to try to balance in just a few moments just to get a a snapshot. Nothing new, but sometimes at Easter it's good to remind and to connect the dots just a little bit. As we approach communion, as we really approach the year, the future that we're going into for us as a church, as we approach turning points in our life and watershed moments that we don't get caught up simply in that, but we know exactly what they're for. Those moments of significant change and transformation are really because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the day that we live in and the time that we have approached in history that we shine as a light of the life of Jesus Christ. And the only way that we can shine with that very same life is to understand the power of His resurrection. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus speaking to John here in the midst of this revelation, he says, I am he who lives and was dead. I was dead. You saw me die. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Come on. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was dead, but now he's alive you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you're alive. You were dead. You were separated from God by trespass and sin. But if you believe in Jesus, now you're alive and you're alive forever more, forever more. When you leave this body, you just change addresses. Sometimes we stumble through life not understanding this resurrection life and this resurrection power and the transformation that takes place. But because of this resurrection, there is a life that we live beyond even this body. When we understand the resurrection life that we live, we live differently in this life, knowing that it's all in this life. Stop another life, but we just step out of this body and continue in eternal life. We continue in relationship with God. So because of his resurrection, because of the newness of life, we don't say, you know, it doesn't really matter how I live right here because then I'll die and go to heaven and it'll be different. No, he says, you just step out. Your spirit, man, that becomes alive unto God, just steps out into a whole different realm Of his presence. He's alive forevermore. And he says, And I have the keys of Hades and death. Come on, he's conquered. He didn't just go through kind of a storybook idea. He did something with a plan and a purpose that sets us free for all of eternity. He has the keys of death and hell and of the grave. He spoiled the powers of the enemy that hold us bound. So now we look beyond this life into eternity. We live this life with a view of eternity because it's not ending. We're not separated from God, but there's eternal life. Amen. And so we looked at just, you know, we want to connect. He said, I was dead. He died the death that he died. And as we've talked about this in the the weeks past, The shedding of his blood is so important. And there's three aspects that he carried over from the Old Testament that apply to us in the New Testament about the shedding of this blood. And we see on Mount Moriah just the type and the shadow uh, of the blood when when God asked Abraham to take Isaac up and offer him on the altar of sacrifice. That was something that God required of him because of of what God had done for him. So he took him up, and and you know the story. He took Isaac up, and he he raised up his knife, and all of a sudden he heard a ram, in the thicket. And that ram in the thicket was a type of Jesus. The lamb slain. That ram was a substitute for Isaac. And Jesus was our substitute. And the blood shed met the justice needed on our behalf because you and i were guilty we were pronounced guilty born into sin under adam's transgression and that sin needed to be met with death based on really the beginning declaration of god but us just dying we would have been separated from god but jesus the lamb slain the substitute for us when his blood was shed justice was met amen, Amen. that blood shed. And when that blood was shed and justice was met as a substitute for us, come on, listen to this. And whether you're dealing with grief, whether you're dealing with sorrow, whether you're dealing with pain, whether you're dealing with guilt of sin committed, transgression in your life, when Jesus shed his blood, When he died on the cross and shed his blood, he was your substitute. Isaiah chapter 53 says this, surely, most assuredly, for sure, you can be sure of this one thing, that he has borne your grief. He's borne your grief and he has carried your sorrow. Yet we esteemed him smitten, stricken by God. But he was wounded for your transgression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement or the price needed for us to be set right or reconciled or set at peace with God rested upon him. And by his stripes, you were healed. His blood shed was in a substitutionary act for you and I. And everything he did covered everything that sin had inflicted upon you and I, and all of humanity. Faith in the blood shed begins to work an understanding, a hope, a hope that I can be free of the grief and the sorrow and the sickness and the pain, the guilt and the shame because of the blood shed. But then as we move on, And understand the blood. There was the blood applied in Exodus. So we can know the blood was shed. And we can believe the blood was shed. But it's not until the blood is applied. For every home that the blood was applied. Death and the effects of it passed over and Jesus is our Passover but see we can say the blood was shed what's going on but the blood needs to be applied and as the blood shed is applied to our hearts the working of that blood the supernatural working of that blood, and the understanding that it's not mine, it's not my grief, it's not my sorrow, it's not my transgression, it's not my sickness, it's not my disease anymore, because he already bore it, and if he bore it, and he took it upon himself, I don't have to. I can release it unto him. Yes, I feel heavy. You don't know what's going on in my family. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You don't know what's going on in my body. He said, I know that, and all that becomes too heavy for you to bear but when you're carrying that load in your life and things are happening and the enemy's saying you deserve it look at you messed up this is the punishment for your mistake you have to say no I'm running unto him and Jesus said come on to me if you're burdened down with all this stuff why because I've already bore all that I'll take it away from you because of the cross and he said and I'll release you from it and my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And you can begin to go on from here without the grief, without the sorrow, without the burden, without the pain, without the sickness and disease, without the guilt and without the shame. You can move on to into great things without carrying the burden of all that because he was your substitute. And you've now applied the reality of that blood to your life. But then there's another blood. And those two were in his death. But the next was in his resurrection. That when he raised from the dead, and Mary saw him, he said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my God and your God. What was he doing? In his resurrection, he was about to go up. And he was about to stand in the presence of God having finished the work of paying and being the substitutionary sacrifice for you and I. He had already paid for it. He said, it's finished. It's done. Uh, We shared this last year. Tetelestai, the debt's been paid. It's been canceled. It's been taken care of. I mean, if you're frustrated at people being canceled, just understand, don't be frustrated. Jesus came to cancel your debt. Your sin, your shame, your, your, your sickness, your disease, all the things that sin brought. He said, I'm canceling that off the air. <laughs> no more to be broadcast about your life. No more to be given the attention it thinks it's due. Finished it. Canceled gavel has come down not guilty justified to telestai it is finished the price has been paid Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. the blood shed but then he went down into the lower parts of the earth for what reason to bind the strong man he said if you want to spoil the goods Of a a person, you go into their house, you bind the strong man, and then you take what he has, and you leave there having bound him. He went that down into hell, and he bound the enemy, and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he came out victorious, and after he had done it and come out victorious, he said, I'm going up, and once and for all, I'm fulfilling this place where justice has been served, but now because of my resurrection, I'm sprinkling that blood right before God on the mercy seat, and because of my resurrection, mercy will triumph over judgment. Every time somebody believes... Because of the resurrection. Praise Praise the Lord. And so the Apostle Paul in in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 as Jesus was that mediator of the new covenant, sorry, I got ahead of myself, that blood sprinkled. We have the blood shed. We have the blood applied, but the blood sprinkled. Hebrews chapter 12, it says he's the mediator of a new covenant by a sprinkling of his blood that speaks better things than that of Abel. See, the blood of Abel, when it was shed from the beginning, when Cain killed him, that blood cried out for justice. It cried out for vengeance. But the blood that Jesus sprinkled declares mercy that triumphs over judgment. We'll always cry out for some sort of justice when we feel wrong. But thank God for mercy. Thank God for the blood of Jesus and the mercy. And it wasn't all, it was all shed before, but he sprinkled it after his resurrection to say it's finished. I've raised from the dead. Now those things are past. And behold, there's a brand new future ahead of every single one. Who believes? And so Paul said this in Philippians 3.10, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So he understood what that meant. He said, Listen, I'm going to have to understand this substitutionary work. And I'm going to have to lay aside all of these things that have come into my life through the working of the flesh or the old nature. I'm going to have to let all those things die with Christ in order to understand and experience resurrection life. Come on, hear me now. Every time the enemy comes and says, Wait a minute, you're guilty wait a minute, you've been wronged. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You have to stop and say, that person's dead. In order to experience the power of the resurrection. Paul said, listen, I'm not there yet, but one thing I know is there has to be a death in order to be a resurrection. Come on, Christian, listen to me. Too often, we just want to kind of Rub our hands and say, I prayed that prayer. And so I I, I get stuff. I'm entitled to some stuff. See, the world's got us that way. But Paul said, wait a minute. You can't have a resurrection without a death. Well, I don't know how to die. Sure you do. When you start to understand he was the substitute. And everything he bore in your place, I begin to set that aside as dead to me. Paul said, I want to know this. And really, in the Greek, it says, Paul even said, listen, I'm not sure. I haven't haven't grasped all this, but I know the truth of it. So in order to get this full knowledge in in the writing there, you know, we know uh, a full knowledge is experiential knowledge, but he also said in connection with this, that I'm, I have to experiment with this to experience it. In other words, he said, I'm not, I haven't fully attained to it yet. Why? Because there's still some things in my life, there's some still some things that are being revealed to me that when they come, I'm going to have to lay them aside. I'm going to have to say, now I need to lay this aside, experiment with it to watch it raise back up and experience the resurrection. So when you say, I don't know, you just lay that aside, you let it die and you watch resurrection life come back into it. So you have some, I got to do this. I'm looking to see, I have an expectation. When I lay this down, when I lay down my want-tos for his want-to, when I lay down my my hurts, knowing he already bore them, my griefs, my sorrows, my pain. See, we're big on my pain right now. Everybody needs to know my pain. Everybody needs to know my suffering. But that will hold you. In a place where Jesus does not want you healed. He didn't deny that there was pain and suffering. He didn't deny that you would encounter it. He knew that you would encounter it. But he said, when you can understand that what I did was supernatural, it was eternal and never changing. So even though I took it 2000 years ago, it's just as if it was today. When you enter into pain, when you enter into suffering, when you enter into harm, when you enter into hurt, I already bore it. But because it's in eternity and it's never changing, that moves up that cross, that experience of mine moves right up into yours. It wasn't just 2,000 years ago, because in eternity, he brings it right up to right now. The power of his resurrection. Paul was fascinated with it. He he said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And now he's starting to give a little bit of revelation of what he said. I haven't fully attained. He said, but I do get this. Now I've been crucified with Christ. I've laid it down. Nevertheless, I live. See, he was talking there in in Philippians. He said, listen, I could rely upon my education. I could rely on my my, my accomplishments. I could do that, but I don't want to do that because if I rely upon myself, that's where sin came from. And so I'm going to have to die out to some things of of myself. I'm going to have to die out to some accomplishments. I'm going to have to die out to some mistakes. I'm going to have to die out to some defeats that I've had. But when I do, which he obviously did, he said, now I've died out to that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live but it's not I that lives anymore. It's not all my wants and all my desires and all my stuff that lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved himself and gave himself for me. You've heard us say this before, but in studying that out, Says the the life that I now lives means he lived a different kind of life before. But now he lives a life, a different kind of life in Christ. And it's a different kind of life. It's a different quality of life. And writers say it's the quality of life of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. So I want to just give you a couple of things here. First of all, the power of his resurrection very simply brings us into the newness of life. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, everything has become new and everything is of God. Now we can listen to that over and over and over again and go, I know that. Could you just give me something new? But it's true. You'll never get past it. You'll never just be able to say I'm a new creation because I go to New Creation Church. <laughs> You're a new creation because you put your faith in the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. And you believed and you applied that to your life. And you entered into a covenant with him that brought you into a brand new life that the old man with all of the things attached to the sin that attached itself and governed over your life is dead. I'm a brand new creation in Christ. My thoughts are new. My ways are new. I'm new from the inside out, not the outside in. So I've been a Christian for a long time, but there's still a lot of things dogging my tracks. We're stepping into a new time. We're stepping into turning points. It's time, even if you've been a Christian for 60 years, to say, God, give me a greater revelation of me as a new creation. Give me a greater revelation. Because we know that God sees you through the blood. But as he sees you through the blood, he also sees you raised from the deadness of sin. So even as we talked about in in the beginning of the year when we were praying about when you pray and how you set yourself in, in, in prayer. And one of those aspects of setting yourself in prayer and utilizing your imagination for something good instead of just something negative is to sit and imagine Jesus across from you and ask Jesus, what do you think of me? How do you view me? Now I know so for some people, because you don't really understand what we're talking about fully, all of us really don't to, under, to understand that. But you're afraid to ask that question. But don't be afraid to ask that question. If you've been listening, the blood has been shed. Your approach, when you come to him, Jesus already paid the price to present you wholly to God. You need to hear through the the voice of the Holy Spirit. I see you washed. I see you forgiven. I see you made whole. I see you healed. I see you raised from the deadness of sin I see you free from those challenges that have weighed you down I see you free because that's how God sees you not only through the blood but he sees you different he sees you raised from the dead he sees you as a new creation not the same old stuff that you bring to him when we come and say God you know where I've been you know how I am he says I know but that's not who you are anymore I see you as different. Raised from the deadness of that. Raised from the burden of that. Raised from that. I see you with great potential for your future. No matter what your past has been, your future set free from that past is amazing. And if you'll get to that place where you know you're in his presence and you'll hear him say that, you're raised from that. You'll cut that cord and say, I'm a new creation today. And no matter what confronts me, that's the same because I'm different. I face it differently. I don't face it in the power of my flesh. I face it in the power of God. All right, I better keep moving. Listen to this, Romans 6. Romans the sixth chapter, the fourth verse. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Just as he was raised by the glory of the Father. Just as he was raised by the glory of the Father. We're raised out of a place, not by our own doing, not by our own thoughts, but we're raised by the glory of God. We got to get a hold of the glory of God that resurrection, life, and power. There's something teeming on the inside of you. If you're a believer, there's something teeming on the inside of you that is weighty. It's of the glory of God. It's valuable and precious. It's stronger than anything that will ever come against you. It is the glory of the Father. He says, so if we've been united in the, together in the likeness of his death, We put all that aside. We put all of our stuff down as Jesus did. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, knowing this, knowing this, that our old man is dead. I know that gets us y'all are looking at me like a calf at a gate we can say it but I believe the Holy Spirit's dealing with people today and you're like okay so so the old man's dead that means when you wake up tomorrow you don't go God I I know I'm gonna do this again see all right that person died with Christ the reason I do that is because connected somewhere there was shame and there was guilt that connected me to that so I kept doing it, I couldn't stop but that's been broken I'm living as if I've never done that before cuz that person's dead and now I'm alive in him Woo. Praise the Lord Number 2 so first the power of the resurrection makes us a new creation Secondly, the power of the resurrection destroyed the power of the enemy. All right, so how am I going to walk in newness of life? The enemy's still out there. But Jesus disarmed him. He has no power except to lie to you, to deceive you, to count on the fact that you don't know the depth of the substitutionary work of the blood shed. You don't know the power of the blood applied. You don't know the depth of the covenant of the sprinkling of the blood. He's counting on the fact that we don't really know that or have revelation. So as the Spirit of God gives us wisdom and revelation, we begin to understand this, uh, what he says, Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, we were buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespass in the circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in his resurrection. His resurrection was a triumph of the ages. When he came out, his death was one thing. But when he came out, he led a triumphal parade. He said, listen, death couldn't hold me. The grave couldn't keep me. And if the death couldn't hold me and the grave couldn't keep me, no enemy in hell can keep you from what I have for you. Come on, if you follow me, I led the way out of the grave. I led the way. I was the firstborn. I was the first raised among many brethren. So if you follow me, if it couldn't hold me, it can't hold you. If it can't dominate you, if it couldn't dominate me, it can't dominate you. Come on, the power of the resurrection to live in a newness of life is there when you know the enemy's been disarmed. He has no power. And in fact, number three, the power of the resurrection sets you at a place of authority over the enemy. Because Ephesians 1, Paul prayed for us to understand the power released towards us who believe. That same power that raised Christ from the dead. That same Dunamis, miracle-working power. The power of the resurrection is miracle-working power. And the same power that raised him, authoritative power, above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. And he made Jesus to be the head over all things, or have authority over all things, To the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything. And he's put everything of this world system that's under the authority of the enemy under his feet and we're in him. The power of the resurrection has made you a new creation in all reality. And he said, I made a way for you to live this brand new life because I disarmed the principalities and powers that we're having dominion over your life. And then I went one step further in the resurrection. I took away their authority. And I gave you authority. I gave you authority. Praise the Lord. And he said in that believing. The power of the resurrection. Gave you the power to overcome the things in the world that are against you. First John chapter five says, "Whatever is born of God overcomes the world." Come on, you're a new creation because you're born again because of the resurrection. Now I'm born of God. The new life is in me. There's things of this world coming against me. I used to give place to it. Ephesians 2 says, I, I used to give place to that, those things. I didn't know what to do. But now I recognize these are things of the world. They're the things that are trying to dominate my life. But right now, because of my faith in what Jesus has done, raised from the dead for me, I'm an overcomer. And he said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in the shed blood, our faith in the applied blood, our faith in the sprinkled blood. I have a covenant with God. And my covenant with God sets me at right with Him. I'm an heir of God. Because of that covenant. I'm a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not an heir of this world. I'm an heir of God. And everything I receive from God causes me to rise above and overcome the things that would come against me so that I rise to a place of understanding and I rise to a place of visibility that people can see that the light of life shines in me. This resurrection life, the boldness that comes with it, the understanding of my faith that I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not living in guilt. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not bound by the things that come to pressure me. I am free through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm free to live out a healthy marriage. I'm free to live out my job. I'm free to live out a life with joy because I'm not bound by the things that used to bind me I don't have to be confused about my life and the direction because he's given me a sound mind I don't have to be overcome by fear because he's not given me a spirit of fear about what's going to happen come on he's given me a spirit of power a spirit of love a spirit of a sound mind I'm a new creation in Christ I'm not living according to the course of this world and the bitterness and the hatred and the guilt and the shame. I'm no longer living that way so that the enemy can grab a hold of that and guide my life. I'm set free from that. I'm living in the love of God and the joy of the Lord and the peace that comes that passes all understanding. I'm living in the goodness of God. Come on, I might have been distressed. I might have been downhearted. But I believe that I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, we are those who see the goodness of God expressed towards us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, got to wrap this up. So the power of the resurrection offers us dynamic change and transformation. That we can begin to look forward and not say, you know what? The rest of 2023, yeah, Whatever. Whatever it's going to be, however it's going to be, man, I don't know if my marriage is going to survive 2023. I don't know about what's happening with my kids. Man, all the financial stuff that's going on, I don't know. Things going on in my body. I don't know, 2023. If we can grasp hold of and have faith in the blood shed, the blood applied, the blood sprinkled, and really raise up and say, this is where my faith is. My hope, my expectation is in nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. It says where we accept that and make Him Lord, where He is Lord, there's liberty from all those things of the past. And when we experience liberty or freedom from the things of the past that He was our substitute in, and we apply the blood and we see the sprinkling of the blood, he says, "There is a transformation that will take place of the resurrection." He said, "We're raised by the glory of God." First Corinthians chapter three, verse 17 and 18 says that where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty, and now we behold with unveiled face the glory of the Lord." Come on, in your mind's eye, as we begin to take communion, I want you to just close your eyes and begin to picture everything you've struggled with as dead with him, the blood shed. I want you to see yourself applying that blood shed to your heart. I want you to imagine Jesus sprinkling the blood and all that being washed away and cleansed. And when all of a sudden the blood flows over you and everything's washed away, what's revealed after that sin is washed away is the glory of God things that were covered by the guilt and the shame, there's a light that begins to shine, a glory that begins to shine forth from you that is whole, that it's complete, it's finished in you, that you are who God created you to be, and you're free to be changed into that image. It says, as we behold that, as we envision that, as we see that, we are being changed from one degree of glory to the next, even as by the Spirit of God. So as the worship team sings and we prepare to take communion, I ask you to just pray and get into your mind's eye what the blood did to pay for your life but to see yourself moving into the future totally set free from all that. Living a life empowered by the Spirit of God because you did raise with Him by that same power. Hallelujah.